welcome to the Saxophone Academy podcast. I'm Dr. Wally Wallace, and on this episode, I chat with my amazing co-host, Dr. Susan Bancher, about one of the most commonly asked questions we get. How do you make money as a saxophonist, and can you make a living as a saxophonist? We dive in and talk about some of the possibilities. Hope you enjoy the episode. So you oh, I know. So this times. is the first time we've ever done a podcast where you are not in the room with me. I know. And it's it kind of weird. I know. I don't like it. You're only this big <laughs> on a best, screen. You're best, tiny. Best diet I've ever been on. <laughs> so well, it's great to see you, and I'm good glad to see you that, virtually. That that she's doing better. Anyway, she feels, and I'm so she feels sorry. Way better, but we're still going to you know following protocol of you know no symptoms for you know 48 hours or whatever before. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I'm doing solo, um, dad duty, you know, which is, I just, call that, I just call that Thursday anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> Stay at home dad is my gig, which is funny uh, because as a saxophonist, I've been doing that plus, you know, my career as a saxophonist, which right. leads us kind of to our topic for today. Yeah. Um, we won't go too in depth and we'll try not to get too grumpy, but I get asked <laughs> a lot and I got a, a question on Instagram that, um, was Dr. Wally, you put out a lot of free... No, this is going to sound like a humble brag. Dr. Right. Wally, you put out so much free content. You're and it's awesome. A, oh, no, no, stop. I'm not fishing. It is it. awesome. I know well, you're not, but no, 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 it is but awesome. It but was anyway. That, and they're asking, like, but how do you make your money? Right. And so, and it's a good question. Fair question. I'm not going to answer because that's probably... No, I'm kidding. Um, no. <laughs> so I don't want to talk so much about my particular business model. Um, my students know what it is. I have a private studio where they yeah. pay a monthly fee and they study with me and I give them feedback and I try to make it as valuable as possible. There are services right. out there where they pay 50% more than I charge and all they do is get an email with PDFs. Right. I'm not kidding, like a form email. And so there's some really unethical, and during the pandemic, I, I went and saw what was out there. So I created my business model. I'm doing fine and I, I have enough time to take care of my kids and do the kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but you have, I want to talk a little bit about it, but it kind of made me think like, all right, so a lot of, I get this question, I'm sure you do too, What's it like as a career as a saxophonist? How do you make money? You know, can you make money? Is being a saxophonist a viable career path? Um, I get asked that a lot, and I'm sure you do too. So I want to talk a little bit today about the answer to that question, not so in-depth with me personally. Um, but as saxophonists, not only can we make a living or a career, but like, you know, we have some some of our students play very well. Oh, yeah. And they have an opportunity to, to make extra income, which is always good to, to my understanding. Sure. Yeah. Um, Because stuff costs money, as stores keep telling me. So (laughs) careers in saxophone, we've talked a lot about how it's not hard. If we talk about, or not, excuse me, how it is. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that was a... (laughs) That's how you know it's hard. (laughs) Yeah. Heck of a misstatement. So how do you make your living as as a saxophonist? Well, it's changed at different stages of my career right. substantially. Yeah, I mean, when I was first starting out, I mean, I I had a day I had a day gig at an insurance company, and I played on the side. Oh yeah, for, for a short time, and then I was a grad student in math, and I I played on the side a little bit. But you know, once I moved to Europe and was employed, so to speak, <laughs> as a as a musician. You know, I made my money playing gigs. Um, this right. group I was in, I think I've talked about it in the past, the Rolling mm-hmm. Phones based the Rolling in Phones, Stockholm. Saxophone Quartet. We yeah. did, you know, we did company parties and we also got paid to play concerts out at small community venues. Right. Um, we did not get rich, but we actually made enough to pay our bills and eat, you know, That's playing amazing. the saxophone. And, you know, we were in our 20s and 
you know, what do you really need? You know, it was before any of us were married with kids. We didn't care right. if we didn't have a house or a car or stuff like that. And I wouldn't trade those years for anything, even though they set me back a good solid 10 years <laughs> on saving for retirement and actually making any kind of real living. But, you know, who cares? You know, what's you got to think about, you know, what's it all about, Elfie? <laughs> Wait, what? Do you know, what's it all about, Elfie? Do you know that old tune? I don't. Oh, I'm a big closet, maybe not so closet. Barbara well, not Streisand, any longer. Not- <laughs> Barbara Streisand fan. And that was on one of the albums I had of her. Anyway, so I made a living playing the saxophone. I taught a handful of lessons, but mostly right. I played the saxophone with the Rolling Phones. It was a full-time group. We, you know, rehearsed for hours every day and traveled around the country, got support from the Ministry of Culture and things like that. And then I spent a couple of years living in Vienna. And likewise, there was a lot of government support for the arts. So the group mm. was paid some amount of money, was modest, but and you know, it helped that us. That was in Vienna, Australia. Vienna, Australia. Sure, I'm going with it, Wally. Yeah. <laughs> Where they definitely have kangaroos. Yep. <laughs> But anyway, there was, you know, there was institutional support. I also did typesetting using a an old, old DOS program, um, DOS-based program called SCORE. While I lived in Vienna, I worked for Universal Edition doing some typesetting that helped pay the bills. And we traveled around and got sent all over the world. Again, we weren't saving any money. We were not contributing to a 401k. There was no promise. 401 what now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> For our European, uh, Australian, and Southeast right. Asian listeners, 401k is a, is a savings account or for retirement, retirement account. Retirement. I really yeah. should figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever we go see a financial planner, the first like, yeah, let's just talk about your student loans first there, uh, Wallace Bailey. Yeah. Oh, I finally paid mine off, though, Wally. <gasps> Congratulations. Yeah, a few years ago, I finally just couldn't take it anymore. I'm like, I'm paying them off. <laughs> anyway, but you're, you know, you're homeless now, but they're paying you. <laughs> no, I mean, now, I mean, I do, I do have two adjunct part-time uh, teaching gigs that are really lovely. I teach part-time at Duke University. I wish I was full-time. I teach part-time at Wake Forest University. I wish I was full-time at one place instead. Um, that would be a lot better gig. Those colleagues of ours who have full-time saxophone professorships, um, there are not very many of them because no, there are not very no. many of those jobs. And there are actually fewer of those as the years go by, sadly. But those people get paid a full-time salary and benefits to teach saxophone at the college level. And they're also part of their compensation if they have one of the really good gigs, which, yeah. you know, two of them do. <laughs> they actually are compensated for, quote unquote, research, which right. means they practice um, they play concerts, they make recordings. So those are really great gigs. And everybody um, who's going into this field as a performance major, going on to get a master's degree, then a doctoral degree, um, they think they're going to go get one of those college teaching jobs. That's going to be their fallback career plan if they don't make a living playing. <laughs> and I mean, we just laugh in not in a mean way, but just in a you're kidding, right? Do you have any idea how many people want those jobs and how few of them there are? But I make a little money doing those two adjunct jobs. And I'm lucky that I also do make a little bit of money here or there playing. Playing, right. Yeah. I mean, I I play some gigs with my quartet. I play some 
um, guest artist recitals with piano with my pianist Anara Zandmane. If they can't afford to bring us both, then I'll play with the local pianist. I'll do a master class. I get paid for those. And, um, you know, I love to do church gigs. I will get hired sometimes to play for a wedding or for a funeral or just a church service. And I make a few hundred here or there for things like that. Um, you know, so that's, that's the life of a musician It's kind of a patchwork quilt. There have been years when I've had a pretty, um, decent size private studio teaching out of my living room. It's actually pretty good money. If you don't mind doing that, if you have a space that you either could get for, for cheap, or if you have a, a nice room in your house near the front door, for example, where people come in, get their lesson and go back out and and you don't have to feel like they have to see your whole house or something like that. Or if you have an apartment that's big enough to have like a dedicated area for practicing and teaching lessons. It's not going to bother the neighbors. It's actually a pretty good way to make some extra money. And, and people want to pay for good high level um, private lessons for their students. So those are some of the ways that you can think about making money as a musician. And I think that brings an important point that almost everyone is on, especially in the jazz world on social media, no one promotes themselves as an educator. Well, aside from me, because I don't care. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my, my ego died years ago. So is it somehow shameful to say that oh, you teach lessons? It's not shameful. It's just that everyone pretends that they have this performance career. Uh, and so and it gives this wrong impression that like jazz giggers make a living at that. Oh, now, goodness. Uh, your friend Branford does largely. Yeah. I mean, he does teach too. I'm sure it's out of the yeah. wink love of teaching and not, you know, extra income when times are slow. <laughs> it's but, probably a little of both. <laughs> but I mean, what I want people to understand is that we perform, we play the saxophone because for the overwhelming majority, the playing portion is borderline hobby. Um, yeah. You can argue that it's necessary to attract students, but we've known people that make great livings and they, they don't play anymore. They just teach. Right. And so I think um, I've, always, I've always likened what we do to being like a karate teacher. We're not paid to fight off ninja clans. We're paid to, uh, you know, teach a beautiful, amazing art form. And I think in this modern day and age, it's becoming much more, especially in classical jazz, a participatory art form where there's not going to be the separation between performer and audience. For most of us, it's you make your living helping others play the art form, not just them paying you to be great. And I know lots of young youths that go move up to New York and they're going to, quote, make it. And they play a gig here and there that pays anywhere between nothing and, ooh, if it's good, it might pay $150 yeah. for the evening. Which, of course, you can't do that seven days a week for most people. And even if you could, once you account for in the United States, uh, taxes and paying your health care and insurance and travel and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's, yeah. it's, it's not really a living at all. Nothing decent. No. Um, and so, but what they don't see is behind the scenes is that a lot of these people have private teaching studios or they have trust funds or family money or a day job. Yeah. So there's like less than 1% of saxophonists actually make their living playing. Um, I did it yeah. for a short while. That's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I did yeah, it. you did. Those, those, the military band Even gigs are actually that, great ways. I did a lot of gigging and I made maybe 75% of my income um, playing. And like you, I lived unbelievably modestly. Sure. Um, and I was trying to save for my wife's engagement ring. And I was teaching and doing like every megachurch gig I could get, every little extra thing and service and weddings. 
And I've never been less happy. Well, God, I've probably been less happy, like quarantining two kids. Two. Oh, that but, wasn't so fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But no, I mean, like musically, it was just terrible. I hated it. And I thought like, well, why would I do this just to call myself a professional musician? So then I went into the army band where I made a very nice living, um, like just, you know, perform performing on the saxophone. Yeah. But I was still, I didn't love it. Um, yeah. because I wasn't playing music I wanted to play and I was playing okay music for other people, a lot of ceremonies and community, you know, concerts and stuff like that. Yeah. I, it was a great gig and I highly recommend military bands for those that can, you know, pass the physical. Um, but I found that I was just really enjoying playing concerts that I want to play, um, doing the, the kind of jazz that I want to play with people that I want to play with that sometimes pays very little and is infrequent and make my money teaching because I, like you, we're passionate about teaching. And yes. we don't have the ego where we don't have to pretend like, you know, I just, you know, I'm a world famous performer. And it's for most people, it's a facade. Um, yeah. And a lot of people think, well, of course, they're so it brings me to topic number two. It gives the impression that like, oh, OK, so they make their living performing. They probably get paid a lot of money by these reed companies and mouthpiece companies. And that's oh. how they make their money. <laughs> and so I get also a lot of questions about endorsements. How does it work? And. Well, of course, Wally, you're probably rolling in the dollars because, or, you know, or Sue, you're rolling in the dollars because you've got a Selmer endorsement. And I remember right. I did a positive review of the Yamaha saxophone because it's the newer version of the saxophone I play. I didn't buy it, but I reviewed it. Right. Because um, I recommend it because I know those things are built like, like tanks. They last forever. They're a great price for what it is. So I recommend it. And I got a lot of criticism saying, like, oh, Wally's just paid by Yamaha. I was like, oh, my no. God. No. And then <laughs> no. I was like, oh, I was like, no. And like, oh, well, you're trying to become a Yamaha artist. You're just pining to be a Yamaha artist. I thought, like, I could think of nothing less interesting in my life than becoming a Yamaha artist, unless they get free lawnmowers. Um, <laughs> I will say Yamaha lawnmowers are the, some of the finest lawn care machines. No, I don't. I just Wally, don't care. does Yamaha make lawnmowers? Oh, I don't know. Moped? <laughs> I don't know. This I'm is the thing. Subaru, I, just, my, I don't know. <laughs> I just, you know, and I thought like, it was so funny that I thought like, that's what I want because I have tons of friends that are Yamaha artists and Stu... <laughs> Let's reveal the behind the curtain number one. What? Okay. How much money does Yamaha pay Yamaha artists? I think if they're really lucky, they might get a small discount on a Yamaha <laughs> instrument. <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah, I, I, mean, mean like I did get a discount on a Selmer soprano when I lived in Vienna. That was in 1995, right. I think. I mean... I've never gotten a discount on any instrument I bought in the States. The, Did you ask? You know, I probably I probably didn't ask, Wally. And I so probably, so nice. maybe I could have gotten 10% or yeah. something. No, the, the thing is that... I I probably will, you know, what did I get from, what do I get from being a Selmer artist? I mean, it feels good to be, you know, I'm a Selmer artist. Woohoo. Mm -hmm. um, also, they made these kind of cute posters that say Selmer and have my picture on them. So I got a free, I got a free promo photo with the Selmer logo on the picture. So that's kind of cool. I could hand them out yeah. at concerts and sign them when I lived in Europe. I used to like, sign to them and hand them value. out. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. that's not nothing. That's and not nothing. let's see, when I do master classes at universities, usually Selmer will come up with a couple of a couple hundred bucks to help pay support for that event. Because a lot of times when you go to do a master class at a university, yeah. the universities actually don't have enough money sometimes to even pay your travel to get there. Right. So 
I got to the point in my career at some point where I didn't want to have to pay to play and teach. I thought I should at least break even. This was quite a while That's ago. That's crazy talk. So, yeah. so getting the $200 from summer would make it so I could get in my car and drive to someplace that was eight hours or less away from my home. And it would pay me back for like mileage on my car getting there. And right. then the same thing with being a Van Doren artist is that they do some promotion sometimes and they they use me in their promotion because I do love their products. I do play on them. Right. So they didn't give me the products and pay me to say that. They, right. look, they look for people who use their products and speak highly of them without being paid. And then they say, okay, so we're going to do a promo thing and we'll, you know, we'll take the pictures of you. And oh, by the way, you can have the pictures to use for your promotion too. For right. yourself. So you do get free promo photos from it. Right, but it's so- not, you're not getting, I wanted to make that so, you know, our oh. amateur and student listeners know, like, yeah. you're not paid. And that's the thing. So, like, you know, they think, like, I'm not oh, paid well, to say good things. No, I, I play on a Yamaha because I just, I like it and it's well yeah. built. And uh, my wife won't let me spend any more money on other brands of saxophones currently. Right. Um, but that's why <laughs> But uh, my friends that are Yamaha artists, they don't get paid a nickel. No. It's just bragging rights largely. And when they Mostly, go to Europe yeah. for a conference, Yamaha might like, oh, rather than have your baritone saxophonist buy a seat to fly the baritone saxophone, because that's what you do. You buy a seat for your baritone saxophone, because if you put it in the, um, within the, if you, you check do, it, if you check toast. it, yeah, it's toast. Yeah, it's toast. Don't so, do that. But uh, it's important to know they're not paid to do that. Now, right. uh, here's something interesting, though, as far as, so um, the only art thing I endorse is key leaves, because I like it. Yeah. Uh, Rulon Brown does not pay me all right. it means is that i get uh, when a new product comes out if i think to ask for it he'll send it to me um right so i got neat. to try the supreme right. i get to try the van doren products and in full disclosure van doren does send me um up to a certain dollar amount of um like list price or whatever they will right. send me a certain amount of reeds ligatures mouthpieces for free to me i just pay the shipping right. um within a calendar year and um I don't know if they know that I do this, but I have some, I have one set of, um, I have Barry, a couple of Barry mouthpieces and a, and a couple of tenor mouthpieces that I let my, my students at Duke use for quartet. See, you mispronounced selling it on eBay, but. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what I should do. I should. Oh, that would be better. Yeah. No. Because Duke is too cheap. Sorry. To actually buy decent mouthpieces for my kids to use. So lucky for them, I'm a Van Doren artist and they yeah. use Van Doren stuff. And so there are yeah. perks, but I, I just want to let everyone know, like, it's when you think of like, how do you make your living as a saxophonist or oh, how do you make no. money? It's not a part of it. No, it's no, it's, and, no, it's nice not to have to buy reeds, but no, that's not going to pay my rent. <laughs> no. And so, um, I, I said yes to Rulon with, with the key leaves, uh, cause I believe in the product. Now, full disclosure, he has, um, sponsored the podcast previously. So, well, I guess that is. Okay, well now it's well, slightly great. he gave a little bit to, to help us yes, with Jimmy commis- Watson's yeah. commission. So, but I mean, right, so that's a sponsorship, you liked but the like, products first, right? And that's just yeah. because we have a audience in over one hundred countries, not because Wally's a great saxophonist and I got to pay him to. And that's not how it works. And but um, same thing with with YouTube. Uh, I want to. This is kind of interesting. You may not know this. Yeah. So when you see a review on YouTube a lot of times there is a monetary interest and it's sometimes not always disclosed as clearly as you would like. So interestingly enough, I reviewed, um, Legere reads and they asked me to do a review and I said, okay. And then they send me a big box of free stuff. And I just closed it on my YouTube video that I got you free did. stuff and that may I'm human. 
I don't want to talk bad about companies that give me free stuff because I'm not a sociopath. Right. Um, at the same time, they asked, you know, if are you interested in becoming a legere artist? And you would get, you know, basically like Van Doren, you get a certain dollar amount of free product, which is retail value, which to them it's probably like 30 cents worth of, you know, uh, polyurethane or whatever the plastic <laughs> Whatever the plastic, whatever that BPA-free plastic is, um, but you know that's not to include you know research and development and the shipping and all that. Sure, of and I thought like, man, you know that would be nice to never have to buy reeds again. Right. But then I review products and like right. that seems not cool to me. Um, so I figured my review would have more weight because I want educators to not have a bad attitude about these things when they have their students try it. And if I'm a getting more free product, um, I figured like that that review holds less weight. Yeah. So another saxophone company just sent me a, a free saxophone. Um, their entry level professional line. I've had a couple coming in actually. Yeah. And some companies are like, man, we would love a review, no strings attached. But another company said, we love a review. Oh, by the way, we have an artist um, commission as well, affiliate link. So when you sell this, every time someone buys it, you get. Uh, it was not an insignificant. I don't remember the percentage off the top of my head. It was somewhere in the ballpark of like fifteen percent. Wow. It was not insignificant. Um, wow. and I thought like, wow, that's really tempting. And I that thought, okay, tempting, well, yeah. so there are saxophonists on YouTube. If you have a big enough audience, you can make a considerable amount of extra money getting the affiliate link. So anytime someone buys it, you get a kickback. And I think most people understand that. But yeah. for me, it's like, then it's not a review. Then it's, it's a not. sales pitch. Yeah. And so I told them I will review it because it's good. But I'm going to turn down the commission. <laughs> so yeah. I'm going to have a non-affiliate link when I review the saxophone. But I, I do want people to know because people think like, well, how much money do you make off this? Up to like 15%, uh, depending on the brand. So whenever you see the YouTube reviews, if you click on the link, and most of the times they do, most of the YouTube videos I've seen, they do uh, have a disclaimer that it is an affiliate link. Um, but then it's not, it doesn't really feel like a review to me. Yeah, um, I see what you're saying. It's it's kind of interesting, though. I think um, the policy that you and I have both had is that if we like something, we'll talk about it. Yes. And if we don't like it, we just won't say anything. Yeah. It's the old, if you don't have anything, anything good nice. to say, just mm-hmm. just keep it to yourself. And and then, you know, I don't want to trash talk anything because, you know, right. everybody's out there trying to make good stuff and they're trying to make right. a business. So leave them alone because if people like it, that's great. But the, you have the freedom now to talk about things that you like and you don't have to be thinking, well, you know, I don't really like this thing, but hmm, 15, you know, percent every time they sell it. Why don't I just, yeah. Oh, and that's something. So I like, yeah, it's doesn't 50% feel good for you. Do I want to talk about the kind of, you know, uh, one of the tone holes that isn't quite level? You know what I mean? Right. It's like, yeah, you don't it's have human to do, nature. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but I do want people to know like that is I I do not I don't currently have any affiliate sales. Um, back at December like two years ago, I had an affiliate thing with uh, J Metcalf's Better Tracks. They were background tracks. Oh, um, okay. I just bought them and I was reviewing them, and he very nicely said, "Hey, um, do you do you like them? Here's an affiliate link." And just out of politeness, I was like, "Oh, okay," because <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to say like, "No, I don't want your affiliate link." And I didn't right. see any competitors for that product. Um, right. I'm not going to do it anymore, especially cause you know, but that, but, th- but people should be aware that, you know, you can make money off affiliate sales yeah. like that. Um, well, and at some point if you change your mind and you decide to do that, if I think if you disclose it, yeah. if you say, you know, I'm, I'm getting, you know, paid something to, when though. people buy that, then, you know, that's, yeah, then, then that's every time honest. someone buys it, then, the, then I feel like partially responsible, which is the other reason I want to do it. So <laughs> someone buys it and like, I got this and you know, it's got tons of leaks and it doesn't play. I'd be like, well, well, too bad. So I just don't, I don't, I'm deciding I don't want any responsibility for those things, but that's another path of income. Uh, I want people to be aware of those what happens. 
is is, right. is sometimes what happens. Um, teaching. Oh man, and and Wally. So teaching now with the internet and mm-hmm. and Zoom and all of these other kinds of ways to have the sound not be too terrible. I mean, if you want to teach, you I mean, you can you can live anywhere and teach now if it's you can amazing. find students who don't mind studying over Zoom or some other platform right. like that. I was doing a FaceTime with a student for a while last year during the pandemic cuz they couldn't get Zoom to work well for them, you know, and they did fine with FaceTime. So you really could, you know, you could teach anywhere. I did, and I do. Yeah, I just happen to choose. It's really uh, cool. Sunny you know, in one thing, North Carolina, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you know, one thing I was going to say that I have been having trouble with for years is the terminology professional and amateur. That's, and, and we've talked about that a little this? bit. Well, you know, what do we what do we even mean? Because, of course, the term amateur means to do it for the love of it. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I sure as heck hope that I'm doing it for the love of it, because why else would you do mm-hmm. this? I mean, part of the reason that it's so hard to stop doing this adjunct work that I'm doing and go just get a job where a person, not to brag, but who's educated and intelligent, organized, personable, I could get a job making a lot more money than I do. And why don't I do it? I'm so addicted to the music. Right. And every time I think about, well, I could do this and it would be really fun and exciting and something the world needs and would compensate me well to do. And I think, ah, but would I have time to practice? Would I have time to play gigs? Would I have that flexibility? You'd be around other musicians uh, who. Yeah. And just. Uh, right. I'm so addicted to this thing. And I kind of hate that actually in a way. Yeah, but I just annoying. love music so much. And, you know, there are a lot of people who I think um, find themselves just feeling really underappreciated or unappreciated as as adjuncts or as as teachers of music and. I think if you're going to feel really unappreciated and bad about it, then then do something else for a living and and play just to play. But, you know, I don't know if, if the teaching starts feeling awful to me, then I will probably stop and do something else. But it, <laughs> it, right now, you know, I just I do enjoy my teaching a lot right. and I enjoy my students just just so much. Um, and I just love the music. And I yeah, I want the quote amateurs to understand that like most of the quote pros that we look up to make the overwhelming majority of their income teaching yeah because the value is in sharing the art form which is why when you open up downbeat magazine it's filled with ads for saxophone products because most of the people reading downbeat are people that play or want to play jazz music yeah and i think it's important for people to realize that that so but so i have a question for you yeah so you so we have tons of people that that play part time or you know would love to go yeah. out and play. How much can they expect to make from a what? How do you pronounce it? Gog, gig, gig. <laughs> Remember dig? gigs? Yeah. Well, how much money re- can you make, and how do they go about negotiating fees? Well, this is a really, really great. I, I'm honestly that, asking. I yeah, don't know. I know because so. we struggle with this all the time, right? Uh-huh. We struggle with this all the time. So I have some some college friends who are fantastic amateur musicians, and they play shows a lot. What do you they mean? Play, like, like, they play like in the pit band for, oh, right, um, right, right, for right. like um, like musicals and things like that. Right. Yeah. So you know, and a lot of them are doublers. And some of them are not, but they, I don't know what they make. I mean, when you play a gig, um, so say you get hired to do um, 
a, a gig with an orchestra and you're doing like a pops gig and you're going to be in the saxophone section. Right. You know, a lot of times it'll pay like a hundred bucks a service, 150 bucks a service, and usually not that much. Right. And a service would be a rehearsal, a performance, you know, so you might play um, a pops gig where there's one rehearsal and one performance and you'll get a check for 300 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's great. That's like groceries. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's cool. You know, um, you might get a church gig. You might get paid, you know, two fifty to go play a church gig. You might get paid a hundred bucks. I had this uh, math professor when I was a doctoral student. Um, when I was doing a grad degree in math at Northwestern a long time ago, <laughs> and he said to me um, that he told his daughter, who was a professional cellist, that she needed to find out. Ouch. Where's right, right. ouch? Where does <laughs> I it hurt? Me right? about this. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so she would call him up and say, Dad, I think I finally found ouch. And she asked for like a thousand dollars to to play a small right. gig or something like that. Or maybe it was even more than that. So I got asked to play a recording session, I won't say with whom and where, um, a week ago. And they wanted to know what I wanted for an honorarium. And now, I'm explain like, what an honorarium is. So, well, that's basically your pay for the gig. Um, when we use the term honorarium to to um, recognize the fact that we're all underpaid, and we're going to pay you an honorarium because obviously <laughs> this is ridiculous. Uh, you know, a lawyer is going to work for a real fee. So, right. basically, honorarium is a fancy way of saying your fee. What right. do you want for your fee? So, I'm going to go do this recording session, um, and I'm like, I don't know. And I never know what to ask for these things still after all these years. I want as much as you can possibly pay me, obviously. Right? <laughs> how do you say that? So how much can you afford? That's yeah. what I really want to find out. I want to find out. And so um, I usually, because I am who I am, I usually ask, I think to myself, well, how much would make it so I would feel really good about going to do this gig because i used to ask for as little as i thought would make it okay to go do right, the gig right. you know can i get a hundred bucks you know and now i try to think what amount of money would make it so i feel pretty good about the fact that i gotta drive to the gig i gotta get you know dressed decently and i've gotta like practice have a good read you know and then i've gotta drive home and i've gotta leave the comfort of my home and my netflix right? that there's a <laughs> <laughs> Big service fee for me to leave the comfort yeah. of my Well, and it mammoth. used to be more when, you know, I had to hire a sitter, right? All right. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever, you know. So, you know, I asked for the amount that I thought would make me feel good to go do the gig. And, and I said, but obviously I really want to do the gig. So just let me know if that's too much and I'll, I'll do it for whatever you can afford. And they wrote back, oh yeah, that'll be fine. And so I was like, <laughs> You didn't find out. It. I didn't find out. <laughs> <laughs> so it is so hard to say. And it just, it varies greatly from, you know, how much the, the venue. So if I'm playing a gig for a retirement community, mm -hmm. I know that they usually can afford for their series. They bring in people to play at retirement communities. They have little concert series. If you have right. a saxophone quartet out there, think about that. Contact your you know, your local retirement communities. A That's, lot of times they'll bring in artists. They really should. So like our amateurs that, um, us, me and you included, yeah. um, they should definitely check out retirement communities because one, it's a captive audience. They can't leave. Yeah. They lock the doors. <laughs> 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 but I mean, it's, it's an appreciative, wonderful audience. It's a great place yeah. to play. And they don't, 
pay poorly. It's a great way to make some yeah. some extra income, and it's incredibly fun. It's fun. It's a wonderful audience, and they're usually right. people who are quite sophisticated and have, you know, a lot of times yeah. are retired professional musicians, whatever that means. No, <laughs> There's a place to, over near us called the Forest at Duke, which is, you know, a lot of retired Duke faculty. So these are highly educated, sophisticated people who have been going to classical music concerts their whole lives. They're right. really lovely, and they always have a really great buffet of appetizers and drinks afterwards. That <laughs> <laughs> and those usually pay the a handful of times I've done retirement stuff. Those pay better than clubs or like oh, yes. know, the local winery. I love that. Like if oh, a yes. club pays or a restaurant pays $75, they're being cheap. Yes. But if a nonprofit pays you a hundred dollar honorarium, oh, then it's an honorarium. So it's okay. So honorarium <laughs> is like this code word for we're fancy, but cheap. It's just fancy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I used to play big band gigs when I was just out of college. It'd be a four hour wedding gig, you know, with some breaks yeah. and um, you might walk home with, or walk home. You might drive home with a seventy-five dollar. You lost your card. <laughs> no. You drive home with a seventy-five dollar check in your pocket. Yeah. For a four-hour gig plus the drive time, and that was in Chicago. Yeah. And th- as far as I can tell, they're not paying a whole lot more than that now. You know, 25, 30 years later, go figure, right? And so, how much? You know, you talk about oh, it's a paid gig. You can't. It's not a. I mean, that's an honorarium, right? That's just a little thank you, know, we, you check. I mean, we, we have a, a local big band here in Greensboro that are just unbelievably good musicians. Oh yeah, and I think it's it's not dissimilar. I did one substitute gig with them, and it was similar dollar amounts for a yeah. whole lot of work for you know basically honorarium. Oh, it's fun. Kind of money, but it, that's the whole point. It's fun, which it's is why fun. on social media I'll see some grumpy people saying, "I can't believe this restaurant only pays." $75 or, you know, the problem is all these people taking the gigs for free or less. And oh, that's another topic we could talk about. Well, I want to talk about that because I feel very strongly and I make a lot of musicians mad. Um, would you believe I don't care? Um, but <laughs> I'm so surprised that you don't I care am that people absolutely are mad, <laughs> fine playing gigs for free. And if anyone wants to play a gig for free, I think they should. Well, it's, uh, it's your business if you're willing to right but they're saying it free. hurts our industry well there is that argument that's true that you could say it makes people it's as if people don't already think music should be free look at spotify look at facebook i mean well, look at you know you well, that's in the I mean, world nobody's you know we've already that ship has sailed is what well, i'm trying to say well, you know not only you that, wanted, like, yeah yeah but it's participatory <laughs> art. Do we want more people playing and enjoying music or do we yes. want to have a cast system? You're the professional. I'm the audience. Hey, you listen, get paid. You know, and if, like, if, if you're so much better and you won't do yes. it for free, if you're so much better, then people will pay for it. So people will still pay Branford Marcellus to come That's play a gig. That's my point. Even though I go play a gig for free. That's my point. So yeah. when people on, on social media, mainly Facebook, like, I can't believe people are paying these. you got to quit taking these gigs. You're hurting everyone. Like, I'm not hurting Branford Marsalis. If I can't prove my worth, that's on me. Or if, like, well, you can't yeah. play better than me, and I'm perfectly fine going playing a coffee house with some of my students for free because I enjoy it, um, yeah. then that's you. Be better, well, Paul. And, and, and if Branford wants to go play gigs for free, he can do that if he wants. Right. So I, I why well, he has to check with his agent probably. I don't know. I'm not I, I, just, I don't know Branford's business. <laughs> well, we'll we'll, we'll let's ask him. No, but I don't well, want to. We could. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't, I don't no, 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 no personal questions. 
about his finances. That makes me uncomfortable. No, but, but it'd be fun to ask him about the professional world. Yeah, I personally think um, from his that vantage point, jazz and classical is becoming more of a participatory art form. It's, Thank a, goodness. it's a community and it's an amazing culture. And I think we need to quit d- differentiating between professionals and amateurs and like, but right. I got four degrees and I spent all this money. Like, well, no one asked you to Larry, you know I mean? Like right. that's on, that's on you. If you, if you can't forecast enough to see like that $300,000. Well, and nobody cares. Did. And that's, yeah, nobody that's cares. on you. Nobody cares. And if you did that, well, that's great. Wonderful. Yeah. But don't and expect everybody else to bow down. To that you. doesn't mean the winery has to pay you your quote right. worth. Right. That's my doorbell. Can you hear that? Da, dee, da, yeah. da. That's Who's an here, Amazon. Wally? Amazon is. Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna, we're trying to send my my family is single handedly trying to send Jeff Bezos to space. Oh, we're helping again. out too here. Yeah, yeah. So oh, I want to say, oh for the record, gosh. I think playing for free is a great thing. I think playing for very little money is fine. I don't think you owe anything to anyone, and if they can't differentiate and command the fee they want, that's no one's fault but their own. Right. Like I, I said, because the people that people really want to see, yeah. And I'm oh, sorry that them. me playing jazz standards at a coffee house may be fun. Sorry, that's fun, and I don't care if you can't make seventy five dollars doing it. Yeah. Um. Because that just because you, you used to do that making money back in the nineteen sixties or seventies or eighties doesn't mean that, I mean like we don't like hey guys get off um all the travel sites we're really hurting travel agents every time you use <laughs> you know um what what are some of these services Expedia or whatever you oh, know right, like hey yeah, you're hurting the travel stuff yeah right like we don't own the travel agents anything and so like more people are playing classical and jazz and fun and they want to go out and play. I think they should. I think it's good for the art form. Um, and we need to get away from like, you know, this whole differentiation between pros and amateurs. I think it's nonsense. And there's so many amateurs that play just as well. Exactly. And what do we tell our students? If you want to get experience playing, you're not, you're not, you should, don't just sit in a practice room and practice. You've Mm got to get out in front of people. Right. I didn't know who I was as a musician until I was regularly out in front of people on stage or yes. wherever being listened to, there's a special energy that you get um, when you play in front of people that you get back from them and that you yes. give to them. And that was the thing that just killed me last year when we didn't have live concerts. And that's why I personally, I don't fault anybody who did otherwise. Never. You do what you need to do, what works for you. That's great. hundred percent cool. But I couldn't get excited about doing online concerts because the reason I love to play music is that communication between the players, between the players and the audience and Mm -hmm. between the audience members. And you don't get that online. You get a lot of other great stuff online. It's fine. But I really missed playing in front of people. And so when you're a student, you need to get out in front of people and play and you're going to have to go play for free. They're not going to pay you because nobody knows who you are and they don't know how you play. You haven't built a reputation yet. You haven't built an audience. You got to get out and, and do some legwork to build an audience. You're not going to make a living in a saxophone quartet just by going, okay, here we are. We're a saxophone quartet. We've been practicing together for a year. We're really, really good. Here's the music we want to play. How much would you pay us to do that? That's not how it works. You have not, to pay some yeah. dues. You got to get out and play. And if you have a great job that pays you well enough to pay all of your bills and you can afford to go and get a saxophone quartet together or a duo with piano Mm -hmm. or a duo with another saxophone player, and you want to go out into the world and just play music for any audience you can find, whether they have money or not, how cool is that to not care about having to make any money at it? Right, and you're not good for you. I do not agree with the argument that you're hurting someone or you shouldn't be doing that. Um, there, we need more people. No, the people who are going to 
pay people to come play for them. A big concert series. It's fine. If you're, I know. People yeah. are still trying to pretend like you can make a living playing background music. And I'm sorry, you can but those, make a few bucks here or there, but you not no. And it's if you need if you are counting on 50, 75, 100 bucks, then go to the coffee house and say, Hey, I need to be paid 50 bucks, 100 bucks to, to play here. And if you're really good and people come to the coffee house and they buy more coffee and they buy more mm-hmm. sandwiches because you are that good and you have a following, they probably will still pay you. Yeah, or if they say, you know what, I we can't pay you because we have these other great people that everyone enjoys doing it for free or even less, then that's on you, Larry. Well, then, you, yeah, you need to bring more people in. You need to, and that's, I, I I'm mean, not, I'm not like total 100% free market is the answer no, to everything. No, me either. But no, of course not. there's an argument that like if you can't provide or show more value, well, then that's on you. And I'm sorry that music is pleasurable and people love performing and playing music for free or for very little money. You know, it's not hurting anyone. Like, you don't see doctors and attorneys going on and practicing for fun, but music is a pleasurable art form. Yes, we work yeah. hard, but it's yeah. pleasurable. And I think it's really yeah. disingenuous when people aren't going to knock on um, George Crumb. Is that his name? The composer? The com- you know, the minimalist composer? The really- oh, George. Well, George Crumb. I'm just yeah. not sure what you're going to say about Georgie. <laughs> oh, I, well, he did a master class at a university a million years ago that I was there, and he had written his first work that included soprano saxophone. I think it was called Quest. Oh, was- yes. That's a great piece. Yeah. Maybe. But uh, <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a big fan of his music. But anyway, he was up on stage and people were asking questions. So my friend, who was a saxophone major, said, this is the first piece you've written for saxophone. Did you enjoy the process of writing for saxophone? And he was so excited. And George yeah. got this little sneer, looked at the other composers on stage, our faculty, and said, well, yeah. I don't know when anyone has fun composing. It's a lot of hard work. And I thought, oh, you, you blank hole. <laughs> and I thought, you know, if That's you quit composing tomorrow, and my friend was just so crestfallen and looked so hurt. And I could oh, tell, like, I'm sorry. He was, he was just a sweet kid that was so excited to talk about the saxophone with a well-known composer. Yeah. And he was so snotty about it. And I thought, like, you know, if you quit composing tomorrow, George oh. Crumb, no one would care. Yeah. Um, and I thought like, oh. if you're not having fun, man, just go flip houses or do something else. You can make a lot more money doing other things. This isn't important work. So the that- people I know who compose, compose because they have this compulsive need to write music. Right. It comes to them it, out of the ether. Who knows? They compose because that's who they are. It's like, like yeah. me as a musician, I make music because it's just who I am. I cannot help myself. Right. I was one of those little kids running around when I was two singing all the Aww. time. They could not shut me up. I just can't help it. It's who I am. Right. It is in my entire being. And there's people that are I not can't professionals that feel that way. And so like what? They shouldn't go play for an audience because it's going to hurt Larry's ability to make $75 at a bar? I think it's ridiculous. No, yeah, I'm I sorry, I want people Larry. out there making music. Yeah, so yeah. we've solved that problem. No. Okay, <laughs> we're going to be in big trouble now, aren't so we, I got, I got one more question. Okay, um, this came from email and I'm sorry, I don't have it in front of me cause we're doing the new technology here. Yeah. Um, was basically the question was, um, jazz and classical are not terribly popular art forms aren't consumed by the mass markets. So why is it when you pay a lot of money and go study music in college, that's what they teach? Well, that is a, a, that's a pretty fair question there. There are a lot of schools that are starting to offer degrees in 
pop music, rock mm-hmm. music, alternative kinds of music, gospel music. Um, schools are going to have to step up. The only thing I'm a little worried about is it seems to me, so classical music, you know, of course it used to be popular with a certain segment of the population uh, 200 years ago. When no, was, uh, 300, yeah, right. Yeah, um, Terry and then, and then it kind of got codified and put into the academe. And one could argue that that killed it. <laughs> and then jazz was a popular art form that then, you know, got codified and put into the academe. And one could argue that that's what's killed jazz. I don't know. So maybe popular styles of music don't Look out, go K-pop. There. I don't You're know. next. You're next. We're going to kill. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I think that obviously music schools – well, let's be let's be fair. I mean, a lot of us who are classically trained then have taken that music and we've we've played other styles of music with that training. And that training does give you a really great foundation. But I think you are that question is hitting the nail totally on the head. Schools have got to broaden what they do in their training programs, which of course means that the faculty have got to become educated in other musical styles and new hires have got to be not just the same old opera and conservatory style hires. And that is tough. Is it necessary though? It reminds me of Hank Hill when he's talking about Christian rock. You're not making Christianity better. You're just making rock and roll worse. (laughs) And so just because, you know, so like the, the, the nameless, very cheap, terrible university that I used to teach at, um, would say like, well, we've got to get with the times we have to decolonize our curriculum and we need, we need folk music. We need rap. We need to teach pop music. We need to teach this. We just did that. Why? You know what I mean? Like, like, are you going to make Taylor Swift better? Are you going to make hip hop better? Or are you just trying to milk students out of 40 grand to seem relevant? Are, are do these art forms? It's an interesting point. Yeah. It's kind of like what I was saying before. Are we yeah. going to, we're going to teach those styles. And so thereby we're going to put them in the academia. We're going to kind of, cause music's going to move on. I'm thinking, Oh boy. Watch my, my, my Facebook friends <sighs> go down exponentially right now. We don't need to train music performers at the university. I don't think that's a viable or useful thing. I think any kind of academic study is important, but I think we should go back to the well-rounded liberal arts education and quit pretending like conservatory training needs to exist. You know what I mean? We're treating it like air conditioning repair. Well, we need to train students to do, no, you don't like rock, rap, folk, all these things, they exist just fine with academia, without academia training musicians for 40 grand to do it. So just because uh, it's popular, why should we put students in debt to learn it under the guise of, well, if you do it at the, the university, it's, it's you know, more highbrow and you're going to make a better living at it. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's a really hard question. Oh, my gosh. You know, because there's part of me that's like, yeah, but I think it's cool that we have like – you can take saxophone lessons at college and still get better and grow during those years. Uh, uh, yes. And I liked playing in band and I wouldn't oh, want students not to have the opportunity to play in wind it's ensemble fun, and but jazz I think, band. I think the performance major could pretty much go away. I see what you're saying. Um, mm, because, you know, we're yeah. training, especially because where it is now, we're training them for orchestra jobs. And the argument rightly is, well, none of our students are really getting full-time orchestra jobs. None of our students hardly at all graduating are getting these full-time. So let's train them in more popular art forms. That's not going to fix 
the problem and it's completely not necessary. Yeah, there aren't really jobs doing that. People create their own careers. Right. And you so know. what is the point of college? Is it to train you for a specific job? If that's the case, then well, let's train them for things that, you know, pay well and are, are more readily available. Or is it to provide a broad, well-rounded education? And if that's the case, they don't need to be sitting in a symphonic band two hours a day, five days a week. Hey, it's hard conversation. Well, I'm happy to have it. I'm not academia. It would be interesting to get the perspective of, of some other people, because of course, in a, in a way you're a little bit preaching to the choir. Cause I also did a double degree. You know, I went to school right. as I started out as a music ed major and then ended up doing a double degree where I studied math and performance, but I never studied performance with the idea. Of course, I'm a saxophonist. I'm not a violinist. So I never thought I was going to get a full-time job at an right. orchestra, right? I thought I was just going to play gigs that I would have to organize and that I would have to, you know, do all the legwork for and and uh, create my own music. And that's in fact what I do. Yeah. So, you know, and I love doing it. Um, I don't, I very rarely do a gig that somebody else organizes and calls me up and says, Hey, I'll pay you to do this gig that I've organized all the music and everything for. It's usually, Hey, you want to play a concert here? And then I organize the music and mm-hmm. the rehearsals and blah, 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 you know? So that's, that's, oh uh, yeah. So you're kind of preaching to the choir. Cause I am a person who, who was however, able to get a really high level saxophone um, training at, at a really great music department or music school, right. really. Um, that's part of what I, I love about Duke where I teach. Not that I don't want to spend a lot of time plugging Duke because I'm not full-time there. So yeah, I, I can't get in anything. there. My, gra- my grades are good <laughs> enough to get in there anyway. So, But we have such a great music department for students who study something else. We have a handful of majors. Right. Um, it's a BA. So, you know, it's not a performance degree in the sense of a, it's not a BM in music performance. You're going to get a BA where you have to take a whole bunch of academic stuff too. Yeah. And, and, but they can study with some really terrific teachers. There Our string departments, amazing. Our chamber music area is great. So I go to the chamber music department concerts there and it blows me away. The playing level, the repertoire that they're doing, yeah. it's incredible. And they're all like, you know, econ, engineering, blah, blah, blah majors. There's like two music majors in the whole lot. You know, it's incredible. I love that model. I like that it's, you know, but why can't we make that more like the uh, the ping pong club or the taekwondo club at the local university where it's this thing that they can do for fun, but we don't pretend like it's the same as the the STEM training or just part of the, the broad education. So yeah. I, I say, you know, burn it all down is my, <laughs> so, hey, I'm, well. out, I'm out. So what, you know, let's get up. That's easy for me to say. Oh, no. Okay. So, so if you want to talk about the music business thing, Wally, of course, my husband's a full-time music faculty and that's what? basically where, where I get my benefits. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I know yeah. for, for many years when I was just a trophy husband, people was like, oh, well the problem with doctors and then you're like, take it easy. That's where my bread is buttered. My bread, my bread and butter. Daddy needs a new saxophone. Oh man, we're going to be in big trouble. You know, what are they going to fire us? All of our listeners who are doctors and lawyers and I don't know, insurance sales people and, and oh gosh, everything else in between, they're going to be like, yeah, what you said. That's if we're, and you they're know, not wrong. <laughs> no, and we need to prepare people for the second great saxophone craze of the 2020s. Yeah, everybody's going to be playing the saxophone. We've got to get rid of the gatekeeping and 
take away this ridiculous line between the professional and the amateur. And one final point I want to, we're, we're yeah. going, you know, we've, I've ranted. Way oh too man, long. We are you're so giving wisdom. Time. I'm just, I'm just throwing out <laughs> hand grenades of, of controversy, then running the other direction. <laughs> oh geez. But you, the majority of the value of the art form is in teaching the art form. And you don't have to have a doctorate or a master's or even be a world-class professional to do that. The, the piano teacher in our area um, where Sue and I live uh, that makes the most money, I'm not going to name this person, yeah. uh, does not even have a degree in piano. But she provides value. So she's not teaching the next generation of Juilliard grads, which we've already made our feelings known on that. But she's teaching mostly younger students. And she has a huge studio. She has assistant teachers. But she's providing value, organization, you know, like concerts, events. And so, like, you don't need to be world-class to share that art form with other people and for compensation. Right. So for the, right. the quote, amateurs out there thinking, well, I don't have a doctorate, I can't teach. I've had lessons with people with doctorates that are garbage teachers. And so I think most, whether you're doing it for free or for a little bit of money or a lot of money, um, I think it's never too soon to go out and share your art form you know, so if for our oh, yeah. adult amateurs, share what you know, go help yeah. out, you know, with the middle school band program. Um, and I always tell my students, like I have even my private studio, the stuff that I have, um, my PDFs and my backing tracks and all the stuff that I, I try to provide as much value as possible for my students. If you go to a local school system, copy it, give it to those students because they're not going to uh, you know subscribe to it. Yeah. Uh, and, and use my teaching materials to, to get more people playing the art form. That's what we want. Not, you know, more people make eking out hundred bucks at the local gig. So I think everyone should do some teaching because you learn a lot of, wouldn't you say you learn a lot about your own playing? Oh when you goodness. Teach? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. So it's, it's something really good to do. And we should talk yeah. about that, you know, some point, you know, starting to teach and, and having a plan for that. Cause yeah. I think everyone should, as soon as you know something, it's great to share it. Cause it's a great way to, to codify what you're, what yeah. you're learning. So Sue, I, you and I have both lost all our endorsements. <laughs> We're never going to be asked to endorse anything again. <laughs> I'm never going to be sent oh. another free saxophone to review. Um, oh, who sent that question? They've just lost everything for us. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So you will hear from it's our attorney that we can no longer oh, afford. <laughs> I find this stuff fascinating. Oh. And I, and part of the big reason I want to talk about this is so that our our adults and amateur students realize that you're not different. You're not. And, and, and by the way, we're not the only art form struggling with these questions. Oh, we're not? No. What what other art forms are? I want to make fun of them. <laughs> Don't you think like um, if you think you're going to be a professional writer, that's a little oh, rough geez. go to. You know, like like if you're going to be like a published novelist or something like that, that's that's a tough go to. Or if you're a painter, you know, or visual artist, you you could get a job using those skills. Sure, you know, graphic design and stuff like that. But I mean, actually, just doing visual art. Yeah, good luck making a living at that. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it just because it's hard to make a living at. Exactly. You know, that's that's the thing. It's a wonderful. These art forms are all like, thank goodness. Dancers, you know, same thing. How do you make a living at that? I don't know. Would you believe that no one's paid me to dance? I cannot believe that, Wally. I know. know. So so all art forms are suffering. And (laughs) so it's so good to see you. I hope to see you. Hopefully in person um, next time. I know. I hope the Rona leaves my house and um and then I can stick something up my nose that tells me it's safe for Sue to come (laughs) over very soon. (laughs) I do not enjoy these these these, uh these COVID tests. They're not terribly fun. No. Um but um listeners, if you have a question for the podcast, please do email us Wally at thesaxphoneacademy.com and I will forward it to Sue. Um Sue, I hope you you're gonna be traveling next week. 
Um, we'll yeah. chat again before then, but um, yeah. And then eventually, some point, you're gonna be able to talk about what you're doing when you're traveling. Yes. With these top secret projects you're doing all oh, over yes, the right. world. <laughs> but until then, everyone have a fantastic uh, week. And until have a then, great week. Happy most, practicing. Have fun. Most importantly, go practice. Yes. But have fun. <laughs> See you then. Bye, guys. Bye.